You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. We do have a new message series we're kicking off today, uh, and I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, We are going through the book of Ephesians together, uh, beginning today, and we're going to spend about three months uh, going through this wonderful letter uh, from Paul. Um, And it's one of the letters that Paul wrote from prison, uh, and um, we're calling the series uh, Fresh Reformation. And if you'll note, we've got a lowercase f. We're not talking about the capital R Reformation, of course, the 16th century uh, that sort of uh, launched Protestantism and made that big divide in the Western church between the Protestant church and what we know now as the Roman Catholic church. Uh, It was a very important time in history, but that's not what this message series is about. This message series is more of a personal uh, reformation, if you will, understanding that God, the creator God, he formed us. He formed uh, humanity. Uh, But then sin deformed us, uh, corrupted us. But it has always been God's will to to reform us in the image of Christ and to do that work of transformation uh, through the Holy Spirit. This is his work of love. This is his work of grace that he wants to do. And as we're going to look at Ephesians, we're going to see that this is a work that he wants to do in us individually. He wants to do it in our, our marriages and our families. He also wants to do it in his church so that... Uh, through this transforming, reforming work of the the Spirit of God in us, we can go forth and be uh, instruments and partner with Him in in changing the world that we live in. Uh, This is the the first message in this series. So I want to spend some time this morning uh, giving some background on the the book of Ephesians. Uh, During last month's look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we spent a good bit of time in another one of Paul's letters, uh, 1 Corinthians. Now, a lot of Paul's time and energy in that letter was bringing correction. Um, I'm happy to say that Ephesians doesn't follow suit with that. Uh, Ephesians is all about encouragement. Could you guys use some encouragement this morning? Yeah, I think the world around us, I, I, I know I always love to be encouraged. I know the world around us needs encouragement. The church needs encouragement. And, and I'm, I'm really happy to say that Ephesians is a letter of encouragement. It is an invitation to experience the goodness of God and to, to personally encounter this forming process that God wants to do uh, in each one of us. Paul encourages us by reminding us of God's glorious purpose to bring unity, to bring unity to all things in heaven and in earth, Uh, letting heaven come to earth just as Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come, let it be here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Ephesians is a pretty short book, uh, six chapters, And uh, it's laid out very, very systematically. If you look at the breakdown, if you were looking at a structure of Ephesians, you see that the first three chapters are all about the believer's position in Christ or our beliefs, our foundational beliefs. And the second half, the uh, chapters four through six, 
are all about, okay, so we believe this, now how should we then uh, practice this or what should our behaviors be in light of the beliefs and the positions that we have as followers of Jesus? Because how many of us know that way too much of the church has had a disconnect between the things that we say we believe and then the practices or the behaviors that, that come as a, as a result of that. There's, there's almost like this spiritual dissonance. And, and Paul in Ephesians is calling us to move away from that disunity and that dissonance into a, a unity that, that, we, that, he, that he wants to see birthed in us. And that's part of God's reforming, the Holy Spirit's work of transformation in us. I want to point you, if, you, if you get our newsletter, our digital newsletter every Friday, you may have seen this link already. There's this ministry called The Bible Project, and they do these wonderful resources for churches. And we included in last Friday's uh, e-newsletter uh, here at the Vineyard, but it's also in your program, your digital program this morning, a wonderful link, a video link. It's about eight minutes, uh, but it is a beautiful overview of the book of Ephesians. And I, and I hope that as we go through this series, that you will spend some extra time in this book, maybe in your devotional time. Uh, this uh, video would be a really great framework for you to, to look at in addition to the sermons you're gonna be hearing from a variety of different voices on Sunday mornings. Uh, and we even have some small groups that are gonna be studying Ephesians, so check those out as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this place called Ephesus. Um, it was a very powerful, very prosperous uh, commercial center, a very influential city, uh, a strategic port city on the Aegean Sea uh, on the main route uh, from Rome to the east. And on Paul's three missionary journeys, he and his team established a number of churches in this general vicinity, and Ephesus was one of them, the church at Ephesus. It was established about AD 53 as Paul was making his way back to Jerusalem. Now, he spent about a year there getting the church established, and the vineyard, we believe in church planting. We're still involved in that endeavor, so we love watching and seeing what God did in Paul and his ministry team uh, in church planting early on in the history of the church. Uh, but then Paul, after getting that church established, about a year later, he went back and he stayed there for three years, which was very unusual in terms of, of, of Paul's rhythms. Uh, and it was maybe it was because of the length of time that he spent there. And you can read about some of his uh, ministry experiences in Acts chapter 19 if you want to get some, some detail and some background there. But maybe it was because he spent so much extra time uh, with the church at Ephesus. There was just this particular relational connection that was really undeniable. And if you read in, in Acts chapter 20, you see just the, 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 the affection that Paul had for the people at Ephesus and the same affection that the people at Ephesus had for Paul uh, Acts 20 details a very personal, a very emotional um, leaving for Paul uh, as he's getting ready to, to leave his farewell to them. He, he tells them that the Holy Spirit is leading him back to Jerusalem and, and things really don't look really good there. And he knows that. And he says this, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. And he goes on and he says, hey guys, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer. Be on your guard. 
Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you day and night with tears. And then he says this in in verse 36, "When, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and he prayed and they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. And what grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. So I I love that Paul is this this giant when it comes to uh, being inspired by the Holy Spirit and writing these incredible theological truths, but he never, ever lost sight of what these theological truths were for. It was to change and speak to the hearts and lives of people that he loved, that he cared for, that he wanted to shepherd and shepherd well, and he did that. Now, in terms of of, of looking at the study of Ephesians, let me just say that, that a number of the early manuscripts of this letter do not actually have it addressed to, uh, to Ephesus. Later versions do, and it's, it's considered by most theologians that, uh, that Ephesians was probably what they called a circular letter. It was a letter that Paul wrote that was actually passed around to a number of the churches in that vicinity, including Ephesus. Uh, the church would be taken to a congregation and read before all the membership. And so uh, Ephesians was definitely included in this. So as we go through Ephesians, uh, here are some of the main themes that I, that I want you to see as an invitation to this fresh reformation, this fresh reforming that I believe God is calling us to, because let's face it, things are, things are just sort of thrown up and they're all in disarray. Uh, some of this is because of COVID and we're just sort of coming back together still and the uncertainty, the unsettling, the shuffling of all of that. Uh, some of it is just the climate of our world. We're in yet another election cycle. All right. It is what it is. It's that perpetual thing of 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 disunity and and just things being unsettled. But I believe that the truths that we are going to look at and see that God's calling us, that he called the church at Ephesus to and those other churches initially, he's calling us, he continues to call us to them. And these are some of these big themes. In Ephesians, God reveals his intention to form a body, to form not just individual superpower, super giants, spiritual giants, but, but a body empowered by his Holy Spirit that expresses his love and goodness here on earth. That means you and me. We just talked about this with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that they are for every single one of us who are followers of Jesus. This is a bold call from God, and it's an invitation that this thing of following Jesus and seeing his kingdom come in our hearts and lives, it is supposed to be life-transforming, and it's supposed to to upset. It's supposed to overturn the the normal day-to-day stuff in our lives. Becoming a follower of Christ should make a difference in your life. And if it doesn't, something is wrong with the way we see it, the way we view it. When when Paul was going uh, and planning the church at Ephesus and that early church that was happening, um, he didn't go in to say, okay, this Jesus that I am presenting, he is another option for you in your spiritual journey. No, he was coming against uh, the, the major god of, of Ephesus, a goddess, was, the, was Artemis. Uh, she was a fertility goddess. 
And he was coming against her saying, no, this is not the way. This is not the way that you can have life. This is not the way that you can have uh, peace. This Jesus that I speak about, it was not just a, a, a religious thing. It was a cultural thing. It was about the way of life. And that is what he is calling us to as well, this body that he is calling and he wants to form in us and with us, that we would be people who carry his love, his goodness, his fullness throughout the world. Uh, Ephesians also explains how God wants to unite diverse groups into one people with whom his Holy Spirit dwells. Uh, the primary differences in Ephesians, we see Jews and Gentiles. But let's face it, we have our own set of, of, of people groups and, and factions, if we will. We've got, uh, we're a pretty white group here, okay? Let's just say it, all right? We're pretty white. Uh, we love the diversity that we have uh, racially. We want more racial diversity. Uh, probably our biggest area of diversity in our church is socioeconomic and political thought. You might not know that, but it is. Because I talk to a lot of you, and I listen to a lot of you. And my takeaway is, wow, we're pretty diverse in that area, more so than maybe a lot of people think. Because i got to tell you, I've been around the church in the South for a long time, and most churches in the South like to be pretty homogenous. We all think the same way. We all look the same way. We all go to the same places. We all know the same people. And I love the fact that that's not who we are. Now, does that mean there won't be challenges? You bet there will be at times. There will be challenges at times of that. But we are united not in a thought, a political thought, or social, a cultural thought, or a social thought. We are united in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the one who unites us. He is, he is the one who calls us together. And so we come from all kinds of different positions on all kinds of different topics. But the one we come to and we worship and we set our hearts and our affections on is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and that's what makes the difference. So if you're here, no matter what your political thought, your cultural thoughts, your social thoughts, we've all got them. And I love talking about them. We can talk about them all day. And there'll be some things that I agree with you on, some things that you'll agree with me on, and things that we disagree on. But the thing that unites us is Jesus Christ. Let us set our affection and our focus on him and let the Holy Spirit do that work of uniting us into the body that he wants to unite us into. And Ephesians also unfolds how God wants to equip us, he wants to empower us, he wants to mature us so that we can join him here in Augusta, in the CSRA, around the country, throughout the world in doing his ministry. And this is the partnership that God invites each one of us to be part of. So I'm going to pick up a little bit from where we did with Gifts of the Spirit, because this is, again, one of those things that this is not just for a special elite group of people. As we're going to see in this first chapter of Ephesians, every one of us is invited. Every one of us is included. And here's what we're going to talk about today. And we see this borne out in this first greeting that Paul opens up with, which is worship and a greeting. It's this, God picked you. God picked you. God picked me. God picked all of us 
to be part of this body that he wants to form. God picked you and me and all of us uh, to be part of, of, of who he's going to bring together with all of our differences. He's going to unite us and, and, and empower us and mature us, reform us to be the people he's called us to be. Uh, He picked all of us to join in his work of bringing unity to all things in heaven and on earth in and through Jesus Christ. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to have the passages on the screen as well. Uh, We're going to read this morning from Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read about 14 verses. And each week, whoever's speaking is going to to, to read, or have you even joined them reading, um, whatever section they've been assigned. So we're, we're going to go through, and you're going to have exposure to every verse in Ephesians by the time we get to the end of October. So beginning, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment." to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we praise you. We worship you. We honor you. We welcome your manifest presence. And just as you uh, inspired Paul, Holy Spirit, to, to write these words to the church at Ephesus and many of the early churches, we know that you've written them for us as well. So Holy Spirit, come and open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirits to all that you want to say to us this morning and all that you want to do in us. We say yes, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for your good work. We thank you for your choosing us, including us, that it is good, your good will and your good pleasure. Come, Lord, use my words this morning, Lord, make them your words directly from your heart. Come and have your way among us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So Paul begins this beautiful, encouraging letter with a thing that we hold in the highest of esteem and highest value, and that's worship. He starts it off with worship because all authentic Christian life and action, it flows out of worship. Just that that thing of God extends his love to us, we receive his love, and then we express it back to him. The worship and the adoration of God who has lavished. I love the fact that he uses that word. That is not a skimpy word. He has lavished his love. What have you been lavished with? Now, I got to tell you, I'm the only guy in my house, all right? I have a wonderful wife, and I have three beautiful daughters, and even our dog and all of our previous cats have been female, all of them. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Uh, And my wife reminds me all the time, you are greatly loved. They lavish me with love, and and I love that. Uh, But their love is incredible, but we're talking about the love the lavish love of the creator of the universe. I love that that word is used, that he he has lavished his love on us. Uh, The God who has made himself known in and through Jesus, who is the ultimate expression of God's love. Want to see God's love? Look at Jesus. Look at everything that Jesus did. When you read the gospels, everything that he did speaks and points to our father and our father's incredible love. And he is the ultimate expressions of, of God's love. And he is the foundation. Uh, his love is the foundation for our lives of worship and our lives of prayer. And in prayer and in worship, we can come to the one who loves us. It doesn't matter the things that we've messed up. It doesn't matter how we've failed or how we've been unfaithful. We can come to God in prayer, in worship, knowing that he loves us and that he is for us. And this is based on his character, not on our behavior. And for that, I give God thanks. I give him thanks. This love grounds us and it gives us our true identity as children of God. That's, that's a true identity, and it's knowing who we are and, and whose we are. It frees us to, to do exactly what Paul does right in the beginning of this letter. Remember that he is writing from prison. He's writing this letter from prison, and he extends God's grace and his peace uh, to those that are receiving the letter. And we get to do the same thing. God invites us to know his love, to know who we are by knowing whose we are, so that we are then able to go with confidence and assurance to go and to share God's love. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Paul knows the authority that he has been given. He's been given this authority. It is not something that he has had to finagle his way into or position himself or make the right contacts with the right people so that he can be put in the right positions. No, he knows as a result of that Damascus Road experience that he is called by by Jesus Christ himself and he's called to be an apostle, to go to the Gentiles. He's a Jew, remember? He is a Jew and he is called to go to the Gentiles. He knows he's a child of God. He knows he is called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is God's will for him. And what does he do? He, He extends, he's able to extend from a jail cell in Rome the grace and peace of God. Now, sometimes we find ourselves in those situations where 
A statement like that could seem almost disingenuous, doesn't it? It's like, because we're going to read on in Ephesians. We're going to find out Paul talking about freedom in Christ. Paul, you're talking about freedom while you're jailed in a cell? Really? Have you ever been there? When the things that God is calling you to, to be and to do, uh, do not jive with the circumstances in your life. How about, you know, we, we've talked about healing. We, we believe in healing. We practice praying for the sick here in obedience to God's word. Have you ever prayed for the sick when you were sick? Did it feel like, okay, am I being inauthentic here? Uh, you've heard us mention many times that John Wimber, who God used greatly in the gifts of healing, uh, had a lot of health problems. And I often wonder, as, as, as Paul is getting ready to write this letter, he's in jail, he knows the things that the Holy Spirit's leading him to write, and he's going to be talking about freedom, and he's going to be talking about all kinds of things, and he's there in a jail cell. Have you ever been there where you felt that, that thing of, God, I... I know what I sense you calling me to, but every situation and circumstance that I see in my life seems to go completely counter to that. Take heart. That's why it's so vitally important for us to know our identity as as daughters and sons of God through Jesus Christ, to know who we are as a result of whose we are. And, you know, it doesn't matter what people think of me. I know what I'm called to be, and I know what I'm called to do, and I'm going to endeavor to be that and to do that. And that is how you and I, no matter what we're going through, we can be conduits of the grace and peace of God when we are established in his grace and peace, in his love. Uh, it's vitally important for us to be living in the love of God and the grace of God. It's all about God's grace. You're going to hear that word a lot throughout Ephesians. Paul reminds us that this is not about how good you can be so that you can be used by God. This is about living in the awareness and the experience of the grace, the unmerited favor of God given to us, receiving and living in his grace and his peace so that we can then go extend his grace and peace to the the very ungracious and and, and unsettled, unpeaceful world around us. Uh, And and he chose us in him before the creation of the world, uh, Paul writes in verse 4, to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will, God's pleasure and will. God picked you, God picked me, God picked all of us, and he was thrilled to do so. It's it's like God's excited about us being on his team. School started for a lot of our kids this past week, and I know we've got some more students that will be kicking off this week and next week. Um, Do you remember the fear and the weirdness that would come in elementary school and middle school PE. Remember that? Or maybe that was just me. You were all great college athletes and didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, I did did well academics. I did well in music and leadership stuff. I was an okay athlete. I just didn't have a lot of confidence in that area. And I would just cringe when I wasn't, you know, it's like, okay, half of the kids have been picked and I haven't been picked yet. You know, and she's like, please, God, don't let me be picked last. That anxiety and that, oh. 
guess what? As an adult, it may not be, it may not be recess. It may not be PE. But we still feel the same way, don't we? God picked me. Let, me. let me be picked. Don't leave me out. And I got good news. God picks all of us to be on his team first. We're his first choice. Only God can do that, okay? Only he can do that, but he does it supernaturally. He picks all of us first. He, he, he chooses us to be on his team in accordance with his, his pleasure and his will us being on God's team brings God, the creator of the world, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, it brings him pleasure. And this word predestines, it, 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 it does not suggest that God plays favorites. A lot of times, you know, theological circles will use it to try to exclude people. That's not at all what Paul's doing here. He, he is saying that it is God's will that all would receive his gift of salvation, that no one would miss out on relationship with him and the eternal life that comes as a result of accepting the gift of salvation. Uh, it, it's, it's God's will. God, yeah, he predestined, he wanted every single one of us, every single person that he's ever created to be in personal relationship with him. It is not his will that any would not know personal relationship with God. God picks you and God picks me and he takes great pleasure in having us on his team. It is God's good, perfect will for us to experience and to live in his love in all parts of our lives. And, and Ephesians is all about this. How do we, again, we, we have these beliefs. The first half are all about the, 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 the position of followers as followers of Jesus, our beliefs. Second half is how do we live this out with our practices? How do we live this out with our behaviors? Throughout this letter, Paul keeps on going back to God's grace. God's grace, and it always goes back to that. If you're here this morning and you're on a mountaintop, it's God's grace. If you are here and you have just had a cruddy week and you seem like you have fallen over and over and over and over again, it's God's grace. It's all about God's grace, it's God's gift that he wants each one of us to receive. Every day I need to receive God's grace, every day. Any day that I show up and I'm not mindful of God's grace, if I'm not living in view of, in another one of, of Paul's letters in Romans, in view of God's mercy, I, I'm gonna mess up. I need to live every day fully aware, fully mindful of the grace of God, the love of God, receive his grace, receive his peace, again, so that I can give it away. If I don't have it, what can I give? Nobody wants a fake grace. Nobody wants a fake peace. We need to have the authentic article. We can't give what we don't have. God's gift of, of, of salvation, his grace, they're gifts that are free to us, but they came at a great price, the, the blood and the body of Christ, God's only son. And I'm here to say that Jesus has already done all the heavy lifting, and we're going to see that fleshed out throughout the book of Ephesians. We're going to celebrate that just in a moment in communion. Paul writes, in him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, again, that he lavished on us. 
This is not a stingy God. This is a God who loves to give out generous helpings of his love. And he goes on to say, hey, Jesus is in this. He's done the heavy lifting for us. And the Holy Spirit is with us now. The Holy Spirit is our foretaste to the fullness of God's loving presence. Paul says this, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is that deposit, our down payment, that first installment, if you will, the foretaste of the fullness of God that will come when Jesus returns for his church. We get the Holy Spirit, God with us, empowering us, transforming us, reforming us. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And we wait with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not idle, and that's the good news. The Holy Spirit is at work in us, with us and through us. The Holy Spirit reforms and he transforms us as he equips and as he empowers and matures us. He picks us. He picks me, he picks you, and then he does this good work in us. And it's a work he loves to, to keep doing. But he, he, he won't do it against our will. He's looking for that open invitation. And that's why our prayer is, come, Holy Spirit, come and do your good work. God picks us. But if you said yes to being on God's team, that's my question for you this morning. Have you said yes to God's invitation to be on his team, to be his son, to be his daughter, to be part of his family? That's, that's the question this morning. I want us to begin with that because it all goes back to the grace of God. It all goes back to the foundation that it's all about his grace. It's all about his love. God's inviting us to join him in his mission here on earth. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus already. But maybe you've been sidelined. Maybe the cares of the world, we've had a, a lot of cares of the world happen over the last several years, and they've gotten us distracted. Maybe we have just sort of seen our Christianity as just sort of a, a pastime or a hobby or a part of our lives. And I got to tell you, that is not the Christianity that we're going to be seeing explored here and invited into in, in the book of Ephesians. And I'm excited about that because uh, I think some of us need some spiritual clarity on making Christ-centered community a priority and the work, sometimes the very hard work that God wants to do in us and difficult work, but good work of seeing him reform us. Many of us have felt the effects of sin deforming us. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring about the beautiful healing work of reforming us and transforming us. So this morning, as, as we prepare our hearts for communion, I just invite you just to bow your heads. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Come, Lord. I thank you that you love us, you know us, you've picked us, you want us on your team. God, I thank you for your grace. 
We celebrate your grace. We thank you for your grace. Help us to more fully receive your grace. This morning, if you're here and you've not received the gift of God's grace given in Jesus, the gift of salvation, just invite you to do that this morning. Again, God's word's really clear that it is his will. Another of the apostles, Apostle Peter, reminds us in one of his letters that it's God's will that none would, would perish, that none would not be in relationship with him, but that all would, would come to receive his grace and, and turn from sin to Jesus. And you can do that this morning. You can do that. God welcomes you to come, to confess your sin, to to say, Jesus, I need you. I, I acknowledge you as the Son of God. I acknowledge your work on the cross, paying for my debt of sin, paying a debt I could not pay, a debt you didn't know, but you took on for me and for the sins of the world. So, Jesus, I, I confess to you my sin. And I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and come and lead my life. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, come and heal me. Holy Spirit, come and lead and guide me. I need you. And I receive your gift, God. I receive your gift of salvation in Jesus Christ this morning. And I give my life to you. And I thank you for this amazing gift, your amazing grace. I thank you and I receive in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, you're a follower of Jesus. And as I was praying this morning, I feel like the Lord just laid on my heart that there are some who have prayed to receive God's grace. And you've received the gift, but you, you, you didn't surround yourself uh, with people who could affirm that and help you grow. And that's not a condition for our salvation, but it certainly is a way to help us grow as followers of Jesus. And, and, you, and very soon, disbelief came in, and the, the enemy came in, and he, he started bringing in doubt. And I just want to encourage you and challenge you that this engagement in the grace of God and in, in, in the work that God wants to do that we're going to be reading about and experiencing in Ephesians, it involves his body. That's where small groups are important. That's where things like Alpha, uh, things like the, the growth pathways that Mary Margaret talked about earlier. It, it's about all of us growing into more of what God has for us. Let me invite you to stand.